Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us back together, that we may come together as a family, as a unit that learns how you work in each one of our lives, because we have each have our own personal relationship with you. Yes. And that relationship makes us different, but that what that it is with you makes us bond, makes us bond together. So Lord, we invite in your Holy Spirit and may our May we be enriched by the words and the time together today. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's worship our Lord. Good morning. Joy on the journey. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Some people have a warped idea of living the Christian life. Seeing talented, successful Christians, they attempt to imitate them. For them, the grass is greener on the other side. But when they discover that their own gifts are different or their contributions are more modest, sometimes even invisible, they collapse in discouragement and overlook genuine opportunities that are open to them. They have forgotten that they are here to serve Christ, not themselves. Be like the Apostle Paul and say, none of these things move me. Few men suffered as Paul did, yet he learned to live above his circumstances, even in a prison cell. You can do the same. The key is to realize that you are here to serve Christ and not yourself. God does not promise an easy life, free of troubles, trials, difficulties, and temptations. He never promises a life that is perfect. He does not call his children to a playground but rather a battleground. In the midst of it all, when we serve Christ, we truly discover that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the hope for today, everyone has a cross to bear, and they're all different. Someone else's cross may only seem lighter because someone else is carrying it. Whatever you're facing, the joy of the Lord is all the strength you need.
We're winging it. We're used to that. No. <laughs>
Our Old Testament scripture today comes from 1 Kings 3, verses 5 through 12. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on the throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by myself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased and Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom and governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life, wealth and death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever or ever will have. We say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For the beauty of the earth. Oh, 
Testament today comes from Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 through 33 and then 44 through 52. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field in his excitement, he hit it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for a choice pearl. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net was, that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? I arise today to a mighty strength, God's power to guide me, God's might to uphold me, God's eyes to watch over me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to give me speech, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to shelter me, God's host to secure me. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, the gifts that we have given, the gifts that we, we share, we know do not belong to us, but rather are yours that you have, for some reason, entrusted to us. And that your trust in us uh, is such that not always something that we can understand, but certainly something we can appreciate. And we know that you call us to give back, to share, Share what we have, share what we know, share what we can do so that others may come to know you. Lord, we ask that the gifts we give to, have given today are used 
to further your kingdom. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. How is everyone this fine Lord's Day? Excellent, excellent. Heavenly places and invisible empires. There's some treasures that we will unearth in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians this morning. Pray with me that the, uh, the Lord will anoint every word. Father, I thank you for the privilege to stand and attempt to edify your people. But I know full well, they know full well, the only edification that's worthwhile is from your Holy Spirit. And I pray for that by the bushel load this morning for your glory and the edification of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And this is from the ESV. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. What blessings? Every spiritual blessing. What blessings are these? Every spiritual blessing found in God's holy word, you can put into one of three categories. They are chosen, adopted, forgiven. Chosen, adopted, forgiven. Every spiritual blessing. But what good is every spiritual blessing if it's in the upper atmosphere? Where are these heavenly places? Scripture says we are seated together with Christ in the heavenly. Where are these heavenly places? The heavenly places are not pie in the sky, future blessings that will only be realized when you pass from this life. We're going to explore heavenly places this morning. Heavenly places does not refer to heaven in the sense of it being the destined home of the redeemed. Rather, the Greek word here refers to the invisible realm that surrounds our present daily lives, the arena or sphere of spiritual activity. Christ's authority which encompasses every age and exceeds every known power is here and now. You're walking, living, and breathing in heavenly places every step you take on this earth. And this is repeated. This phrase, heavenly places, 
It's found in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 6 of Ephesians. Do you get the impression the Lord wants to make a point here? He's not above redundancy. He wants us to get this and get it well. C.S. Lewis, God operates in the eternal now. That's typical C.S. Lewis profoundness. <clears throat> what is the eternal now? Now, this present moment is where time and eternity intersect. Yes, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. God is always present in the moment that we call now. It is we who are often missing from the moment and therefore are often out of touch with God. Let us remind ourselves that each moment of our lives is eternal. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, do we consider that it's an eternal prayer. Every time we pray it, it's an eternal prayer. It touches the moment and eternity. You are really praying, if you're praying the Lord's Prayer properly, you're really praying it past, present, and future. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He walks steps through time because he is time. Past, present, future. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my heart and life today and every day and forever. But think about this a moment. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That prayer will not be consummated. It will not be fulfilled until the second coming of Christ. When will that happen? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done immaculately, perfectly. The millennial reign of Christ. The Lord's Prayer is prayed to whom? Father God. Father God. Our Father who art in heaven. We need to remind ourselves who the first person of the Trinity is. We need to get more familiar, more intimate with God the Father. Heavenly places are the dominion of Father God. I want you to follow the pronouns in Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 21. Notice how many pronouns of Father God. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, the Father. The message says, I pray that 
the Father will make you intelligent and discerning and knowing Him personally. Personally. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which He, the Father, has called you. What are the riches of His, the Father's, glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His, the Father's, power? Toward us who believe, according to the working of His, the Father's, great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His, the Father's, right hand. In the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. The Chinese are famous for their philosophy of yin and yang. But I hope to tell you, Father God developed that long before the Chinese came along. For every positive, there's a negative. And we know that positive is Father God. But let's touch for a moment on the negative, the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 6, from the ESV. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The Greek word here sounds very similar to the English. It's aer. According to Hebrew thought, specifically Messianic translators, the air we breathe, the atmosphere we live in, is filled with demons and demonic activity. Do we doubt that a moment? Turn on the six o'clock news. I liken it to this. We've all seen these beautiful, serene, tranquil Chinese gardens, Chinese water gardens. And it's got the little uh, moon bridge over, typically lush vegetation all around, and a pristine pool. What's swimming in that pool? Koi, typically, giant goldfish. We are those giant goldfish. Problem is, we're swimming in a cesspool. We're swimming in air. Atmosphere that is filled with demons and demonic activity. You were following the course of this world, following the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by his grace, you have been raised up and seated with him in heavenly places. Seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages the Father might show the immeasurable. You have to forgive me, my iPad is freaking out here. The immeasurable riches of his grace. We are seated with Christ in all his power and authority right now. We've got to get our dimensions sorted out. Our spiritual dimensions. We need to comprehend that heavenly places are right here and right now. Why? Because we are in Christ. We're talking about the omnipotent, all-present, everywhere-present God right here with us, seated in his authority and his power right now. Ephesians 6.12 from the King James. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and powers of spiritual wickedness in high places. Same Greek word. That Greek word is epuranias. Epuranias simply means the realm that you live in, walk in, breathe in every day. Invisible empires. This passage, Ephesians 6 12, announces the church's corporate assignment to prayer warfare, the warfare of prayer, in order that evil will be driven back and the will of God advanced. We're living in two different empires. Living amongst two different empires, both vying for control of the spiritual realm. Epuranias, heavenly places, and Aer, spiritual wickedness. In biblical usage, the word heaven is typically translated existing in heaven or things that take place in heaven, things of heavenly origin. St. Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven. Do we understand the heavens? The third heaven is the abode of God and his angels. The second heaven is the celestial heavens, outer space, the stars. The first heaven is the heaven of the clouds, what you see right outside. So essentially, we're living in the atmosphere of the first heaven. But in Ephesians, 
St. Paul uses a word that modifies heaven. It is the spiritual realm that surrounds our daily life. We are living in a spiritual war. And it's very, very real. 400 Christian martyrs a day. Do the math. That's upwards of 150,000 Christians martyred a year. And this has been going on since the mid to late 60s. The persecution of the church of Jesus Christ today far exceeds the persecution of the Roman Empire. And we think, oh, are you sure? The worst, Diocletian, the worst of the emperors was 30 to 40,000 martyrs per emperor still pales in comparison to 150,000 a year. I have preached a, a sermon on occasion just to shake people up. But I believe it. I, um, I'm disconcerted when uh, some, some very good, very great theologians come out and say, well, if you don't believe pre-trib, you're just confused. But I consider one of the better theologians of this age and, and what he has said, it, it's certainly food for thought. Because he has said, whatever it is you believe, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, chances are you're wrong. Because I'll guarantee you the Nigerians with the persecution they are now enduring, they're thinking their tribulations right here and right now. But I preach that sermon to make people, to, to wake people up and say, be vigilant, be vigilant. Don't pacify yourself by saying, well, here in America, that persecution hasn't come here yet. I believe it's coming. We can look at COVID and the excuses we see from the governor in California, and we can say, whoa, won't take much for them to just shut down churches. You get the wrong president in office and an executive order basically eliminates the Christian faith. We need to be vigilant. Ephesians 3.10, God's purpose in all this preaching of the gospel was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Epuranios, invisible empires. This was the Father's eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Epuranios. How important is this word?
It's Strong's number G2032. It occurs 23 times in 17 verses in the Greek New Testament. I'm thinking that's pretty important. Hebrews 11.16. This is the roll call of the heroes of faith. So they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Heavenly here is Epiranios. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Where is this city? Revelations 21. The city of God is the people of God. Hebrews 12 verses 18 through 24 the message. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did on Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. He said, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself said, he was so frightened at the sight, he said, I am terrified and trembling. Now this passage of scripture, you could relegate it and say, well, obviously he's preaching to Hebrew Christians and he is juxtaposing Judaism against Christianity, making the comparison. But he's doing so much more than that. No, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Epuranios, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to the Jerusalem, the city of God, right here in this dimension where you live right now. And you have come to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, the saints. Saints who have died and gone on to glory, whose names are written in heaven. Hebrews 12.1. The context radiates through this chapter. Cloud of witnesses. I'll wager every time, well, I'll wager more often than not, when you've heard this preached, the cloud of witnesses, it was preached wrong. There's a cloud of witnesses surrounding you. They're peering over from the stadium of heaven watching you. Wrong. That's not what's being said here. Study your Greek. It does not mean that the saints are watching us, rather that we are the witnesses watching them, considering, pondering what they have done, how faithful they have been. Do a deep study in the Greek and you will find the meaning here 
The literal meaning is what those saints accomplished are like medals hung around our necks. Like we're participating in a spiritual Olympics, we got the medal and all we did was watch. The literal translation is what the, saint, the saint's faithfulness is a medal around our neck to remind us of God's faithfulness. We're the witnesses, not the saints. We're the witnesses. You have come to God himself. You have come to Mount Zion, the God who is the judge over all things. You have come to and have now been made perfect. The tense here is present tense. You have now come to the heavenly Jerusalem. But don't get your Jerusalems mixed up. I know what you're thinking. The new Jerusalem. That's the millennial Jerusalem. Wrong. Don't get your Jerusalems mixed up. There's only one new Jerusalem. Revelations 21. Heavenly Jerusalem is right here and now. You have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. You're living in Epuranios, the new Jerusalem this moment because you are in Christ. The millennial Jerusalem is the heaven that is coming. There are many, and I am one of them, who believe the heavenly Jerusalem, the throne of God, will come down in the millennial reign and rest on the physical Jerusalem. But it's still the heavenly Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. We got a thousand years ago, minimum, to see the new Jerusalem. So when you quote that verse, he will wipe every tear away. Not happening for another thousand years, minimum. That's the new Jerusalem. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We've got at least another millennial, millennium to, uh, to experience this. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. You remember, millennial kingdom, there will be death. There will be those who are still physically alive, that will be our portion of the millennium kingdom to rule and reign, administer those living 
human beings who have not died. All these things are gone forever, said the voice. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. God has this thing about perfection. The Garden of Eden was perfection. It got ruined. He sent his son to redeem it. He's sending his son again to more completely redeem it in the millennial reign. But he has this thing about perfection. It's still a tainted earth. It's been redeemed, but still a tainted earth. So he's going to make a new heaven and earth. And where do you think that new Jerusalem will be? If you could measure cosmically exactly where Jerusalem sits today, I can almost guarantee you. The new Jerusalem will be right there. There are uh, astrophysicists who, uh, Lord have mercy, if I could comprehend a sentence or two of what these guys know. But they have said, and, and these are Christian astrophysicists, they have said uh, in recent years through the Hubble telescope we've put different filters on the night sky. And guess what we see? We see the planets arranged like raindrops on a spider web. There is a magnetic beam that spans to each planet like a spider web that keeps them in place. The God who invented the atoms, new heaven and a new earth, he's just going to speak the word. And all those atoms they're going to collapse. What's that, like the fourth verse of amazing grace? And the earth will dissolve like snow. God's going to take that atomic glue and say, and it's all gone. It's all gone. Like an atomic blast, it's all gone. A new heaven and a new earth. Praise the Lord Pass the hallelujahs. I'm telling you. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. But we've got a job to do. Let's ask the Lord to help us do it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your mercies are truly new every morning. And the greatest mercy is your recorded word. You are your word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. That's a mercy, Lord. That is a marvelous mercy. The sacrifice of your son to redeem us to yourself. But that's the gospel we have to take beyond these four walls every day. Remind us, Lord, that our worship is not what we do here on Sunday morning. We encourage each other in the faith. If we're doing it right, church, 
We're encouraging each other in the faith on Sunday morning, but our worship is what we do Monday through Saturday. Our worship is what we do seven days a week. It's how we live our lives before you. It is a matter of whether we let you live through us and let our light shine. Make it so, Father. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. I surrender all. Jesus, I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender Jesus, I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me Jesus, take me now, I surrender Heavenly Father, let us realize that your heavens are around us all the time. You would be with us always.
We just need to look around and recognize the things that you have done, the things that you continue to do, and the things that you will do. And know that they are the heavens that you have us be in. Lord, we ask that we recognize these and appreciate them every day. In your son's name, amen. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. This castle's got a securely fold you. God be with us till we meet again. Go in peace.